Numbers 21, verse 9. And we've just been talking this month about healing and what does that look like and how God heals and and uh, does God desire to heal? And um, and I think that that's a question that we grapple with. Um, and if you didn't catch what Billy said yesterday, it's on the podcast. It should be up by the end of the day. So go to our podcast and listen to it. I'm not going to try to repeat what he said. It was very good. So Numbers 21, verse 9. And the scene here is in um, Moses is leading the children of Israel. They're going through the desert. They're on their way to the promised land. And God is dealing with the Israelites in the journey. And we get so occupied about the goal, right? We were talking about goals. Just We get occupied with the goals, the destination, where we're going. And God's really all about what God is doing in the journey, like what he's doing you know, before I get married or before I get that job or before I get this whatever I want. And before this happens, God is doing something in my heart and doing something in our hearts. And so the Israelites, they start to complain in the wilderness. They start complaining about the process. And fiery serpents, which are these poisonous small snakes that you find in the Middle East, um, begin to bite the people of Israel. And they cry out to Moses, and Moses cries out to God. And the Israelites understand that they've sinned, that they have been complaining, that they have really been um, uh, not grateful for the provisions that God had given them in the desert and what God is doing. And, um, and so they said, we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you, Moses. It's interesting that how serious God takes um, when people talk about people. Like, that is so serious. And one thing I've always, I just always had a fear in my heart is to talk about other people. And, and just in a way, because... It's just like if you really want to get on God's bad side, if we could say God had a bad side, just start talking about his people. Talk about the people that he died for. Talk about the people that he shed his blood for. Start gossiping about their brokenness. Mm-hmm. And God will just rush right in and defend the broken and, and the helpless. And, and so Moses, the Lord said to Moses in verse 8, make a poison, make a fiery serpent. I'm reading from the King James here. And set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that, that is bitten... When he looks upon it, shall live. So what's the scene here? You have people dying. They're poisoned. They're dying this slow, pain, painful death. Probably, you know, you have two million, you have about at least two million Israelites in the middle of the desert. So whatever somebody says or does, everybody can hear it. So you have thousands of people, maybe even more, tens of thousands of people that are bitten, that are dying, and you can hear them screaming, crying at night. It's like a horror show. It's horrible. And so... Um, Moses takes a serpent, and it's made of brass. And brass in the Bible always talks about judgment, God's judgment. Um, it's the way brass is made and just the, the way it's made with fire. And the whole thing, the way it's made, really, really speaks about the judgment of God. And so God is judging. God is judging something so that, something, so that somebody else can be healed. And so this serpent, this fiery serpent, which was actually chastisement, is put on a pole. What does this sound like to you? What is, does, this rep- does this sound like it reminds you of something? In John chapter 3, verse 14, where Jesus says, before that classic verse in John three sixteen that God so loved the world, God, uh, Jesus says, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if you believe on him, and then it's like amazing how he begins to talk about salvation. And this is such an important point. This is one of the 
major mile markers in the Old Testament. And so just as the as serpent is put, a, verse 9 of brass is put upon a pole, and it came to pass, if any had been bitten, if, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. That word beheld is a very strong word. It means to gaze and look at and not turn away. Now think of it. I have a kid. Imagine if your kid's bitten. Okay, he's screaming. You want to do everything you can do to save your kid, right? But the but the commandment here is to look away from your kid and look at the serpent on the pole. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. That's just unbelievable. But that was the way that your kid was going to be healed. That was the way that you were going to be healed. And when we talk about healing, there's there's so much more healing that needs to happen than just the external. I think the the external healing needs to happen, and we can talk about it at some point, but we've been really talking about healing on the inward man and how God heals us from the shame and how he heals us from the brokenness and how he heals us from past wounds and how he heals us from all of our, all of our social anxieties and our inner pains that nobody knows about. And when they would behold the serpent on the uh, 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 brass, they lived. Isaiah 45, verse 22. Let's look at that real quick, and then I'm going to finish. Isaiah 45, verse 22, and it says this. And really, this is our message when we talk to a Muslim, when we talk to a Catholic, when we talk to a Protestant, when we talk to anybody who, is not, who does not know Jesus Christ. We say, look, look away from yourself and look at Christ and see that all the poison was put there. Okay, All the poison was put there. The poison that you and I are suffering from today, the demons in the closet or the skeletons or whatever you want to call them, whatever is inside of your closet needs to come out. And we don't need to know about it, but it needs to come out. And we need to make sure we need to see it nailed to that cross. You know, um, you know, if you go to a Catholic church and when I was living in Poland, there's some beautiful Catholic churches. And sometimes I would just go in there and just sit because it was the doors were always open. Unlike our churches here in America. I don't know, but. There's a Catholic church. The doors were always open. That was so cool. Go in there. And one time I went in there and a priest came up to me and says, can I pray with you? That's really cool. I thought, man, this guy's more evangelical than some of the Protestant pastors that I've met. And so when you look at the, when you look at the altar there, there's a, there's, a, there's a picture of Christ on the cross. And you look at it and it's disturbing. I don't know. It's just disturbing to look at that for me, isn't it? It's like, why, why do we have to put that right in the center of the altar? You know, why do we have to have that right there? And I think that some people would argue, well, Christ resurrected from the cross. We don't need to have him there. But I think it's good to, for us to see that, to see the, the, the passion of Christ. And that movie, how many have seen The Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson? How many have, who have not? If you have not seen that, um, I'm not a person to cry at movies. And when I went to see that movie, I was joking with my friends. Like, we're all going to cry. We're all going to be like, you know, I was just kind of joking with them. And I went in there and I bawled my eyes out. I mean, I was just like, I just saw the passion of Christ and I saw how he suffered what he suffered for us. And all of my poison that I've been bitten by in my life was on that cross. The poison of sin. You know, when we complain and we, we chase things in this life that just don't bring any satisfaction as a Christian, that poisons our soul. It, kill, it makes us sick, doesn't it? And you know, we can't live in that poison. We can't live in that anxiety. Or, and some of the stuff that we're poisoned with, we don't even know because we've buried it for so long. And so the Lord wants to, doesn't want us to try to figure all that out. He just wants us to look at the brazen serpent and say, all of my stuff that I just wake up with every morning, my stuff that, I'm, that makes me 
anxious or angry or just whatever, whatever it is, or fearful or depressed, all that stuff was nailed to Christ. And um, I'm just going to finish with that, that when we look at Christ, I can't explain it and I can't, I can't explain why, but we can only behold. And when we behold, then, there's, then we, we begin to understand healing. And I love that verse in Psalm 4. It says, stand in awe and sin not. It's beautiful, isn't it? I think it's also in Ephesians, right? I think there's a, I think in, in Ephesians there's that quote. And if in, in Psalm 4, David said, stand in awe of God. Look at him. Look at him in Psalm, Isaiah 45, verse 22. And it says, look unto, me, look unto me and you will be saved, right? And that word there could also be translated delivered or healed. And I think that, you know, like, have you lost your patience this week? Are you struggling with something this week that you thought you had victory over? Before are you are you are you failing in an area of your life consistently? Are you are you upset at yourself? Are you disappointed at yourself? Um, are you disappointed? Are you are you freaked out by the stuff that you thought you've been born again for many years and you're just or you're believing in God for many years and you still have this thing you're dealing with in your head? Um, stop dealing with it. It's been dealt with. Stop trying to fix something that's already been fixed two thousand years ago. Our problem is, is we're trying to re- we're trying to embedder our flesh. And we're trying to fix something that can't be fixed. You ever take, you ever have an old car? I had a car in, in Ukraine and, and I had it fixed in Poland in, in a mechanic in Gosha's village. And you know, he took the whole thing apart. It was an Opel. It was a German car. He took the whole engine apart. I didn't know what he was doing and he put it all back together. And three weeks later it was ready. So we drive it to, we drive it to Ukraine and we get to our destination. It dies. It just dies right there. It's like my only car. I'm thinking, oh man, I need this car. And so we push the car. We push it. Literally, put. We get somebody to tow it. You know, there's no tow trucks there, so they just had to put this, you know, like this band or whatever, and drag it with another car. We had a taxi. Actually, we hired a taxi to pull it to a, to some guy's backyard to fix it. You know, and so that's Ukraine. And um, they're like, this can't be fixed. I said, you got to fix it. Man, I got this is my car. I got to, we can't fix it. There's a, it's dead. Fatal. It's dead. It's over. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like my tree over there that it's dead. And there's no fixing it. And that's our, that's the, ba- that's the old part of us. There's no, if you're married to somebody and, and like, there's, you know, if you're not married, if you have friends or your family and you're dealing with, some, it's like there's no way that they can change themselves. We need to look at all the poison our depression, all of our shame, whatever caused shame in your life, look away from it. And this, here's the action point. I'm going to close. There's no healing in our life until we stop looking at ourselves and we stop looking at people and we stop looking at, you know something? We've heard some tra- tragic stories this morning. I mean, you guys have seen, we've, some, we've seen some tragedy this week. We've seen some really broken hearts. We've seen some people that, you know, and it's going to be hard for them. In the next few weeks, it's going to be the hardest. When someone passes away, it's a month or two later. That people, when people stop calling, the letters stop, the flowers stop coming, the visits stop, and then you're, then you're by yourself three months later, and everybody's kind of forgotten and moved on in their life. That's when it's the most painful. But you know something? If we look away from that and look away from all of our failures and all of our problems and everybody else's problems, we look at Christ. We look we look away from all the crazy racism that's going on. We look away from that. We look, at all of, we look away from all the reaction to racism. We look away from all of that stuff. And we look at Christ. And we say that all of the poison of racism, all the poison of 
betrayal, all the poison of divorce, all the poison of everything, even what people have done to us in business, all of that has been paid for. I need to look at Christ. And, and at that moment, like Stephen said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, right? He's being murdered. He's being stoned to death. What is, what is Stephen looking at? He's looking at Christ. And you can't, we can't say that. I mean, like some of you guys, some of us have been really hurt by people, right? <laughs> I mean, we can't say you're forgiven and we can't do that on our own. Dig deep inside of you and try to find it inside of you. You know, you're not going to find it inside. You might find it for a little while until somebody really hurts you. And you're like, nope, I don't got it inside of me. And that's a great moment when we become distrustful of ourselves and disillusioned in ourselves. And we say, I've got to look at Christ and say, Jesus, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They just have no idea what they're doing. They're just so ignorant. And Jesus says, I forgive them. I forgive them. And so um, those are just some, and that's when healing comes in. That's when really healing comes in. And that's a, Randall R.T. Kendall says this in his book, Total Forgiveness. It's a daily thing. Every day. We got, it's like something we got to do on a daily basis. Amen. So I'm going to have um, Pastor Adam jump in. Do you have a comment? Yeah, no, 